Amen. Well, how y'all doing this morning? Well, happy Father's Day, brothers. How y'all doing? They took care of you this morning. They got you a good meal prepared after church. Man, y'all quiet. Y'all better tighten up and straighten things out around there. Amen. <laughs> no, I'm joking. You know, being a, a father, a stepfather, or, or, or just to be an influence in another person's life is if you don't really ever take time to acknowledge this, is one of the greatest gifts it is of being a Christian, having faith. Your faith in Christ should be affecting others, amen? Especially those who live with you, your family. And you know today, as we're going to look at a passage, I'm going to ask you to turn with me to the book of Romans chapter 5. I want to talk to us this morning a little while about faith and what faith does. And faith is an action in the Bible. It's if you got faith, it's causing something to happen in you, amen? And when you got faith in Jesus, that's the greatest thing you'll ever put your trust and faith in because anything else when it comes to salvation or spiritual life and experiencing what God created you and saved you to have can only happen through Christ and you can only get it by grace through faith. And that's what the Bible teaches. And we're going to look here at a great, great verse it comes out of Romans chapter 5. We're going to read it, say a quick prayer, and then we're going to dig into it. And it says right here in verse 1, Therefore, having been justified, somebody's translation says declared righteous. To be justified means you're not guilty, you're righteous. And that's what God did for us through Jesus. It says, therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith, and to this grace in which we stand. What a blessing to stand under the influence and the sufficient grace of God in the difference it makes in our life and how it's made and is making a difference as we stand in the grace that is provided through Christ. And look at what he says, and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only that, that's enough in itself, but we also glory, we also what he's saying there, rejoice, or we boast in tribulation. Some translation says afflictions. He's meaning sufferings. Knowing that tribulations, sufferings, afflictions produce perseverance or endurance. And perseverance produces character. And character produces hope. Now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit, whom was given to us. Father, I thank you that, Lord, we are saved completely. We're not condemned. We're declared righteous in the work of the shed blood of Calvary's cross, and we are your children. And through that experience, we have access to your grace in which we stand today. Not alone, not on our own, but, Lord, by your help we're able to live the life you've called us to live lord today i pray you'll help us especially fathers and everybody else to realize what all faith and grace has brought access to in our life for in jesus name we pray amen you know when we look at that therefore by faith we've been justified and we have peace with god now through our lord jesus christ and how he done that and what he did for, he describes to you right below that when he says, for when we were without strength, when we were helpless, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. We used to be ungodly, for scarcely for a righteous man would one yet die, perhaps for a good man someone even dare to die. But look at verse 8, but God demonstrated his own love toward us and that while we were still sinners, helpless, without strength, Christ died for us. And look at what it says, much more than having been justified, that means declared righteous, as if we'd never sinned by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if when we were enemies, that's how we used to be, when we were ungodly, when we were without spiritual strength, when we were helpless, if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having now been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. We're reconciled by his death, 
but now we're being saved and his grace is making a difference in our life because he not only died, he rose again, amen? And Jesus is resurrected and he is looking at you if he saved you and he's working in your life. What an awesome hope that is, amen? But the question I want to ask you this morning is the faith that you have in him that has saved you making a visible, seeable, evident difference to where you ain't like you used to be. You're different. You notice it. You might have fooled a few people because you don't say things you used to say and you may not go some places you used to go, but I'm talking about he's changed you so radically that you know he's changed you. Can I get an amen? Because that's what he wants to do. And that's what he does. And he says right there in verse 11, and not only that, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ through whom we have now received the reconciliation. Guys, listen, if we've been reconciled with God and we're no longer enemies with God, we're friends with God, we're no longer considered ungodly and helpless, now we've got help, we stand in His grace and we have access to that grace through our faith, that's going to make a noticeable difference in your life if you're right with God. If you're where you're supposed to be, when you're reconciled, letting him lead and being in his presence, you're not going to be like most other people. And friends, listen. As you look right here, listen to what he says happens. He says, when you're saved, you have peace with God. He says in verse 2, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand. Now what does this grace do? This grace makes a person who has faith in Jesus react to life and what life throws at you and what happens to you different than someone who doesn't have faith. And friends, listen, you shouldn't act like a lost person who doesn't know God. If you're reconciled to God, a person who has hope, and listen what he says, one of those things happens, and I want to look at this for a minute. Verse 3 says, not only that though, we also glory. He says we rejoice, that's what he's talking about, we boast. In tribulations, tribulations would be anything that causes suffering, afflictions, temptation. We glory in that. Why? Because God uses the difficulties of life to test our faith, to prove our faith, and to make our faith grow, and to make sure you know you got the real thing. So what happens to a person who's reconciled right with God? He's at peace with God. He's truly saved. And he has, he's standing by faith in the access of grace. The greatest thing God could ever do for you is to give you grace. Well, when perseverance and troubles do come, they're going to do something to you that they don't do to an unbeliever. They're going to create in you not only despair like most people, they're going to create perseverance. Perseverance is literally, if you look at it and what it literally means, it means Patient endurance. In some translations, puts patience instead of perseverance. What he's doing is when God's faith is active in your life and your access to his grace and you're rightly walking in trust and faith to Jesus, when troubles come, they're not going to make you quit. They're not going to make you give up on God. You're going to have an unbelievable from within perseverance and ability to patiently endure through it and it's going to make you better than before it's going to create character in you how many of you understands that difficulties make you a better person a person that always had it easy that's been spoiled given everything that's what's wrong with america that's why there ain't much character out there no more they never had to struggle they never had to earn nothing they never had to work and they've been given everything and everything's been easy so they're spoiled brats. Can I get an amen? God don't raise spoiled brats. Men, listen to me. If you belong to God, he's going to create character in you. He's going to somehow take his salvation experience and he's going to allow things to happen to you that make you have to strain, things you can't handle on your own, things that you can only get through by faith in Christ. And he's going to give you the grace to persevere. And when you get through it, you're going to be better on the other side. And you're going to have something called character. And when that character begins to happen to you, you don't just look good, you don't just have a religious reputation at your church. You have true integrity. 
What everybody thinks you are at church when you put on your best Sunday Jesus face is what you really are. Because Jesus is changing you from the inside out. He's giving you character. And when you begin to be changed and what you portray yourself to be becomes what you really are, God is changing you and you get hope. Now listen to this. The Christian today who's not like a worldly person, who's not a carnal person, who's a spiritual integrity, who, who has really got godly character, his hope's going to be way better than the backslidden hypocrite sitting here this morning. His hope's going to be real. His hope's going to be something that can't be diminished. You know why so many Christians today are chicken little? Oh, woe is me. What's happened to America? Oh, God, it's the end of the world. Because you ain't got hope. Except here. If what's happening in Washington keeps you in a constant state of despair, something ain't right with your faith. Now, I don't mean you like it, but I tell you what, I'm going to live with it, and I'm going to live in joy. I'm going to live with character that God's putting in, and I'm going to persevere because I'm going to tell you what, my friend, I know God lives in me. How about you? And friends, that's our hope. He has poured his love out into us, into our hearts, and he has given us his Holy Spirit. His Spirit lives in us. That's why all this can happen. And guys, listen, you may not think character is important. I'm saved. I'm going to heaven. I know I ain't nothing but a dying, a saved sinner. Friends, no, it's not that easy. Friends, listen, if you're a father... The Bible says that fathers do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and the ammunition of the Lord. If you ain't got a faith that perseveres over trouble, that doubts God every other time something happens, if you whine and complain because you ain't got this or you ain't got that, life gave you lemons, and all they ever see out of you is a whining, complaining, murmuring Christian, You're not going to be very successful at training them up and admonishing them in the ways of the Lord. And if you don't have perseverance to stick with Jesus, I done made up my mind. I'm hanging in the Jesus ship. If the Jesus ship goes down in America, I'm going down with it. Amen. By the grace of God, I'm not going to renounce my king. I'm not going to say this ain't the word of God. I'm saying this is the truth. Jesus is the king. And you need to get over it because that's where I stand. Amen. But when we give up, when we persevere, now it's easy to say that in here today. But where do you prove that at? You don't prove that by just saying it. What America needs to say is men and women of God that prove it by living it. That have character, that unwavers, that doesn't bend, that doesn't give up that perseveres with tribulation, that continues to endure patiently to the point they're different, their character The character of Christ is formed in you through that kind of living. And they have a hope. Now, guys, listen. If your character don't match what you tell your children and your wife to do, not only are you not going to admonish them and train them to walk like God says to walk, if you're telling them to walk like something you ain't walking, you're going to do just what it says. You're going to provoke them to wrath. Because there ain't no kid, he ain't dumb, that wants a daddy telling him, you go to church. You live for Jesus. You need to read your Bible. You need to pray, and they know you don't do it. You don't need to act like that. You need to be different than that, and you don't do it. The Christian father here this morning that is a hypocrite, that your character does not line up with the book, that your life does not reflect the life of Christ and his characteristics, and you want to preach Jesus, that's why so many Christians can't witness, because people know you. They watch you, and your life don't reflect what you know you got to preach and tell them to get them saved. You see, what America needs today is fathers whose life has a faith in Christ, that Christ is so active in their life that the grace of God is changing. You say, well, the grace of God, it doesn't make you have to live religiously, or it doesn't make you have to walk in the law. Jesus said, I never came to do away with the law. I came to fulfill the law. 
And what I read about Jesus in the law is Jesus added to it. Jesus said, you have read that if you commit adultery, but I say if you look at a woman with lust in your heart, you've committed adultery. You have read that I shall not commit murder, but I say if you get angry at your brother and you, 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 you lash out at him with wrath, you've already committed murder. Jesus made the standard higher. If you was to read the Sermon on the Mount and you didn't have access to grace, it wouldn't strengthen you, it would destroy you. But you see, grace is not here to excuse your sin. Grace doesn't give you a license to sin and say it's okay. Grace denies sin in a true Christian's life. Let me show you what I'm talking about. This is why a lot of Christians aren't seeing this happen. They ain't got no true faith. They ain't got no perseverance. They ain't got no character that's changing. They don't have hope. And their life is really not changing. Because listen, you know what the trouble is, the problem, the same problem it's always been, sin. Sin. If you're not experiencing this in your life, there's a sin somewhere in there that's hindering it. And guys, I want you to see this with me. We're going to come right back to Romans because we're getting to the solution. I'm just diagnosing the problem with you this morning. But I want you to see what grace. Now I want you to notice before we turn, I want you to look at verse 2 and look what Paul says. Through whom? Whom? Jesus. Also we have access by faith, what we believe and trust in, and to this grace in which we stand. Now grace doesn't expect you to stand in sin. Now I want you to hold that and turn with me to the book of Titus. The book of Titus chapter 3. That's 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, Titus. And if you go past Titus, you'll be in Hebrews. Back up one book. When you get to Chapter 2 of Titus, say amen. If you don't have a Bible, say, forgive me, Jesus. For the grace of God, look at what that says in verse 11. For the grace of God that brings salvation. That's the only kind I want. How about you? I don't want grace to do what I want to do. I don't want grace just to go live like any old Bible. I want grace that's going to save me. And look at what he says. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. It's available to anybody who wants it. Just look at the cross. Listen to the gospel. Jesus died for everybody. Amen? There ain't nowhere I don't know about the cross of Calvary. There ain't nobody hardly ain't never heard of Jesus in America anyway. And look at what it says grace does. Grace doesn't give you a license and an excuse to stay in sin and continue sinful behavior. Real grace, grace that saves. Look at verse 12. The grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly when we go to heaven in the present age today. You see, the reason, if you turn back with me now to Romans chapter 6, some of you are stuck. There's no character being formed in you. There's no transformation and, and, and you haven't persevered, you're always worrying, you're always giving up, you're always whining, you're always murmuring. No one wants to be around you because they're tired of hearing it. Because all you ever do is criticize and complain. Friends, that's a sign that something ain't right in your heart. And friends, a person who has difficulties, yeah, we're all going to have them, but how you respond to those difficulties is dependent. And guess what? When you're full of sin, when you've got stuff in your life that don't belong, you're not going to have grace and access to it the way you should. Grace is going to be limited because you can only do it by faith. And faith, if you don't have hope to trust it and hope to believe it works, you're not going to really trust it. And that's why some of you have a difficulty trusting Jesus. Because you've got to understand something. Jesus didn't save you to leave you sinful and let you habitually act out in ungodly behavior. He saved you to change you. And he's at work to deliver you. You see, there's a lot of people today that excuse grace. They cheapen grace. They make grace in the, well, I know I'm a sinner, but that's just the way it is. And you make light of it. Well, Paul addresses that because that's part of the problem if you want to see character formed and have hope that gives you the ability to persevere against troubles. That changes other people's lives. 
Listen to what he says in verse 1 of chapter 6. What shall we say? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Well, you know, the more I sin, the more grace will help me. The more grace is going to forgive me. You know, us Baptists, we want to go back to that once saved, always saved. I'm going to tell you right now, I'm Baptist as you can get. I'm proud to be a Baptist, but it's if saved, always saved. And if you're saved, you're not going to relish in your sin. You're not going to feel comfortable in sin. You're not going to justify sin. You certainly ain't going to think grace makes it okay. Because listen to what Paul tells us about real faith. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not, exclamation point. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore we were buried with him through baptism into death. So the old man, the Adam man, the the natural man, the carnal man, that's what dies. That just as Christ was raised from the dead, now that the old man is dying, he's being crucified, Christ is raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also now should walk in the newness of life. You should not walk like lost people. You should not walk like you did when he found you ungodly, helpless, without strength, an enemy. Now you're reconciled. Now he's in your life. And he's given grace to you if you'll have faith to trust it and hope to believe in it. And friends, listen. He goes on and listen to what he says in verse 4. Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism. I mean, verse 5. For if we were united together in the likeness of Jesus' death, certainly now we shall be in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, verse 6. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with Christ, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. Yeah, we may occasionally sin. We may have habits. I mean, we may have, you know, sin, our sin natures there. But we should not walk in habitual, sinful behavior. We should not be slaves to behavioral addictions that are against what God says. Because we have access, my friend, to be set free. I want you to just look at this with me. Knowing this, verse 6, that the old man was crucified. You know what Paul said? He said, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live. But the life that I now live by faith, I live in the Son of God who died for me and loves me. And he says, now I don't live. I died with Christ, now I live with Christ. Friends, listen. Until you'll ever experience the life of Christ, you've got to be identified with the death of Christ. There's a lot of stuff in your life that's got to get out of there. And sometimes it ain't bad stuff. Do you know what's wrong with some of us? We're so caught up in the carnal part and the, 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 the earthly part of serving Jesus that we filled up with stuff that ain't working no more. I'm going to give you something God showed me a while back. You know, there's things that God does in your life at different seasons, at different stages but what God's doing in a fresh born Christian that just got born again and saved is going to be different than someone who's been saved five years if he's following the program that God has for him if he's walking with Jesus it's the same way you don't teach a 12th grader the same thing you've been teaching sixth graders for six years sooner or later you got to graduate and there's stuff in our lives today that used to work when you first get saved I'm gonna be honest I'm a proponent of reading the Bible every day. I'm a proponent of praying every day. But that has to evolve. It has to grow. You can't stay on the milk forever. Sooner or later, you've got to grow to the meat. You've got to get deeper. And you can't just go, you can't be just on the same little spiritual disciplines you are when you first got saved. And your praying's got to get better. When you first get saved, thank God you pray over a meal. When you first get saved, thank God you pray when you get up in the morning. Say, God, thank you for waking me up. Thank God you'll pray on the way to work. Thank God when you lay down at night, you say, now I lay me down to sleep. I pray my soul the Lord to keep. Amen? Them kind of prayers. That's better than nothing. But if you are saved and grace is at work in your life and character's being created in you and perseverance and you're maturing, friends, it gets to where you pray different. Lord, get this out of my life. Change me, oh God. Creating me a clean heart, oh God. Renewing me a steadfast spirit, oh God. Lord, make me like you. 
take away this flesh and this old man. I'm tired of him. He hurts us. He doesn't let me allow to do what you tell me to do. And he's holding me back. So Lord, crucify the old Marvin. You ever been there? So that you can let the new Marvin in the resurrection power and the newness of Christ live. And that's what Paul's talking about there. Now we all know this is true. This isn't the first time you've heard it. It's information. But is it a reality in your life? Are you walking in the newness of life with character that you couldn't imagine you could have had? With a faith that perseveres over trouble. You don't give up. You don't doubt God. In the midst of it, you have a faith that has put a hope in you that the God-forsaken world out there can't even get away. That is there with you when you wake up. It's there with you when you go to bed because Jesus put it in there. That's what he wants to do in every one of our lives. But you see, what we begin to do is we try to do it ourselves. Now, there's responsibilities. You've got to participate, but you can't make this happen apart from Jesus. And friends, listen, I've done, done it so many times, I'm ashamed to tell it that I get caught in the flesh. I get caught operating the flesh. I'm doing all the church stuff in the flesh. I'm doing all good things. They're not bad things but they're not working like they used to. Friends, you got to grow. Listen, there's a room in this church that used to be right across from my office. That room was created to be used for an office. It was supposed to have a purpose. But sometimes, somewhere, it wasn't a bad thing. We had VBS or something, and someone said, we don't want to throw this away. This is not bad stuff. And they threw it in there. And what was... Designed to be an office became a catch-all. Before long, it became a junk room. I cleaned that room out. I hauled two truckloads to the dump. And I know some of you was going, oh, no, well, don't worry, you haven't missed it. And now Jonathan has an office in there. It blesses me to hear him in there talking to people and ministering to people, giving guitar lessons to people. I go sit in there now. Now it's being used for what it was intended to be used for. Could it be that some of us have our lives so cluttered up with junk that don't work no more? It might have used to work when you was a baby Christian, but you got to get something more now. That's why you're dull-hearted and bored. You're not challenged. Friends, the milk used to bless you, but do you want to still drink hot milk and eat baby food? Do you like Gerber's? I don't know about you, I ain't had a steak. The doctor told me Wednesday I can eat one. This week, I will eat a ribeye. I'm here to tell you, Jesus lives. But you know what? Some of us, you've been on milk so long, you don't want it. No wonder you don't want to read the Bible. But you know why you don't get nothing more than milk? Because you don't want what the meat is going to require of you. You don't want what the meat is going to show you. God doesn't give you the meat just for you can say, look at all this wonderful spiritual information. You see, if you're going to be a strong young man, you've got to have protein. That's what a ribeye gives you. You know what we want? We like a bunch of backslidden Baptists. We want ice cream. We want pudding. We want all that stuff that tastes good, but it don't do you good. And that's what's in our lives. But if you get crucified today, if you kill that stuff and let Jesus get that stuff out of your life, I promise you, he's got something so good it would blow your mind. And he would transform you. He would change you. He'd give you character. He'd make it real. You'd have integrity. What you say you are, you really would be. You wouldn't be a hypocrite. May I tell you today that the church in America is more filled with hypocrites than godly men of character and integrity that walk in the Spirit, that are genuine, truly in a relationship that honors Jesus. But we come to church and we put on our religious show and we wear our religious costume, and we say, look at me, I'm a Jesus man. But are you really? Because it don't matter what I think, it doesn't matter what your wife thinks. What matters if you want hope, you got to have character, because that's how you persevere. If God, you've done this to me, surely you can do whatever else you need to do. You've changed me. You've made me different. How does he do that? Well, you see, we all look at this and say, I know that's true. I want it to be true. Why can't it be true? Because you're just living in the flesh 
instead of in the spirit, you're depending on your ability to be religious instead of being in a real relationship with Jesus. If all you've done all week is get up, go through the motions of everyday life, and you haven't spent time in the Word, enough for the Word to get in you. I ain't talking about just read a quick little devotion and check off your spiritual discipline. I'm talking about, I'm not reading it just to get information, Lord. Today, I'm spending time because I want you to come into my life. I want what the Bible says I should have. I want character. I want perseverance. I want a hope that the devil can't rob. I want the life of Christ manifested in me, Lord. So I'm looking to it. And you sit down, not just to get information, but because you seek his presence so that you can experience transformation. There ain't many folks looking for that, and that's the whole purpose of it. And friends, when that begins to happen in your life, you begin to realize that it's Jesus doing this. I have responsibility. Yeah, I should get in the Word. Yes, I should meditate on the Word. Yes, I should memorize the Word. I should let the Word... Jesus said, how can a young man cleanse his way? What? By hiding the Word of God in his heart. And friends, as you learn the Word, you don't just read it. You, you let it become part of your life. And you let it be your connection to Jesus. And as Jesus is in you and you talk, you know what? A man who prays under the influence of the Word of God prays different than a carnal Christian that ain't never in the Word. You know what changes your praying and makes you pray from the Spirit? Faith that comes from the Word of God. When you're not in the Word of God very much, your praying will be carnal. Your praying will be selfish. Your praying will be more about you than it'll be about what God wants. I've done it. <laughs> but when you're in the Word and the Word's getting in you and God's changing your heart and He's changing you and He's giving you this character, guess what happens? Even the way you pray changes. And you're not praying to get something. You're praying to be with somebody. You're not praying to get what you want. You're praying because, God, I want you to give me what I need. And it's not about you anymore. It becomes to be about him. You're getting on the right track. Now listen, what happens to us is we know this is true, but the same thing that happens to a lot of people. You've been in sin so long, it's easier just to act like it ain't there. It's easier just to try to justify it than to deal with it. But guess what? If you're truly saved, that can't happen. That's what happened to Paul. There's never been a more religious man than the Apostle Paul. He was a Pharisee. He was never been a man who believed the law and thought of the law and wanted to live out the law more than Paul. But listen what Paul says when you look at chapter 7. We get into the end, chapter 7. This is Paul's personal experience. And how many of you can identify with this? Because if you want more than just being able to go to heaven and live however you want and say grace, 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 if you want grace to change you, this is going to be a reality in your life if you've got real faith. Look what Paul says. He says in verse 14 of chapter 7, For we know that the law is spiritual. The law is spiritual. But I'm carnal, sold under sin. How many of you have been here lately? For what I am doing, I do not understand. Why am I keep doing this, God? I know better. You've taught me better. For what I will to do, that I do not practice. Habitual. But what I hate, that I'm doing. If then I do what I will not to do, I agree with the law. That it is good. The law is good. But now it is no longer I who do it, but the sin that dwells in me. See, not only Jesus dwells in you, but sin still dwells in you. The old man of Adam is still there. But now the new man of Christ is there. He's going to show you that if he's in there. Listen to what he goes on and says in verse 16. If then I do what I will not to do, I agree with the law that it's good. But now it's no longer I who do it, but the sin that dwells in him. Look at verse 18. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, my old man, the way I used to be before I met Christ, nothing good dwells. The old Marvin, the old you is always waiting there. For to will is present. The will is present. I know the information. I know what I ought to do. But how to perform it, I do not find. Did you see that? If you're trying to perform it, you're in the flesh. You can't perform it. You can't do it. You've got to trust grace to do it in you. If you're trying to try harder to do the things Christ says is right and not do the things Christ says is wrong, you're going to be right here, my friend, 
is until you learn that performance ain't what God wants from you. He wants faith to trust grace to change your life. And look at what he says, verse 19. For the good that I will to do, I do not do, but the evil I will not do, that I practice. Now if I do what I will not to do, it is no longer I who do it, but the sin that dwells in me. Have you figured out yet, saved man? Sin's still there. I then find a law. And I want you to notice how many times he mentions law. Law, law, law. A, a relationship with God without a personal trust in Jesus that you're by faith asking for grace is living by the law. And listen what he says right there. I find it in verse 21. A law that evil present within me, the one who wills to do good. For I delight in the law of God. I like the law of God. I love the law of God. I know it's right and true and just according to my inward man where Jesus lives. But I see another law in my members, in my body, in my old man, the natural man, warring against the law of my mind where all this good information is at, where truth and the things that are good are at bringing me into the captivity again to the law of sin, which is in my members. Paul was trying to perform. Paul was trying to go to church. He was trying to read his Bible. He was trying to do all the things that he could do to change himself. But you know what Paul figured out? You can't fix the flesh with the flesh. The only thing that can fish, fix the flesh is the Spirit of God, and he doesn't do it by the works of the law. He does it by faith and grace. By the Spirit. So listen what he gets to. Paul knew all that stuff in chapter 6. That do we continue in sin so that grace can abound? Certainly not. How can I who have died to Christ live in sin? So now he's in this turmoil. We're all there sooner or later. And so he finally gets to the place. Look at this. This is where freedom comes. Verse 24. Oh, wretched man that I am. You know, there's Baptists that would get mad if I told you you were wretched. But if you take Jesus out of the question, you take him out of the equation on your best day, you're wretched, my friend. You're a wretched, stinking, unredeemed flesh. <laughs> but Jesus, like we looked at last week, takes that old fallen body, that carnal body, that, that clay pot, and he puts in that the treasure of his life. And now he goes to work. And listen what Paul says. For I delight in the law of God according to the inward man. He says, oh, wretched man, I'm reading verse 24. Who will deliver me from the body of death? And then he says, oh, thank God, through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then with the mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. Now, I want you to see there's two laws being represented here. There's the law of God, and there's the law of sin. Friends, I don't know if you realized it yet, but God has created where we live with laws laws that can't be broken laws that you can't just make go away so what happens well if you live by the law you're condemned by the law the law can't save you it couldn't even save paul and look at what he says when he he gives us the answer oh wretched man that i am who will deliver me who will save me from this body of death thanks be to god through jesus christ our lord and look at what he says in verse 8 there is therefore now no condemnation to those of us who are in christ who do not walk according to the flesh, that's the old way, but according to the Spirit, that's the new way. And I want you to focus at verse 2. This is going to close it out, and it's going to make sense, and it's going to change your life if you get it. I pray that God will open your eyes this morning. He says, for the law of the Spirit, that's the law of the new covenant, the law of grace and faith, the law of the new man, the spirit man, Jesus, the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Friends, we're no longer under the law of sin and death. Now we're under the law of the Spirit of grace and faith. And listen what he says, verse 3, For what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh. On account of sin, He condemned sin in the flesh that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, the old way, but according to the Spirit, the new way. Friends, listen. The law of sin and death is like the law of gravity. 
The law of gravity ain't going nowhere. The law of sin and death ain't going nowhere. The law of gravity pulls you down. It holds you down. You can try to jump, but you can't get very high. The law of sin and death is holding you down spiritually, just like gravity is holding you down physically. And you can struggle and you can try to climb and you can try to get out and get loose from the law of sin and death, but you're going to be under it as long as you're trying to perform your way out. And if all you do is come to church on Sunday and occasionally open the Word of God and occasionally pray and you're never really serious about God unless you need something and He's nothing more than your spiritual Santa Claus, you ain't going to have a clue what I'm talking about. But if you have a yearning in your heart to live a life that God wants to make known, that God wants to reveal in you the life of Christ, you're going to know what I'm talking about. How many of you just wanted to break free from your sin? How many want your character to change and be real? But the old law is still there. Listen, when you're in the law of sin, you ever watch Tarzan? When you fall into tribulations and the muck and mire of life traps you, you're in the muck and mire. Do you remember what David said? He lifted me up out of the muck and mire. David didn't get himself out of the muck and mire. And friends, when you, when you struggle and you try to wiggle, I used to watch Tarzan on Sunday morning. And man, you'd be in that quicksand and you can't get out. They're trying to read. And every time you struggle, every time you try to perform, you go a little deeper. Every time you try to get out of the quicksand, you go a little deeper because the law of gravity is pulling you under. Do you know if you keep trying to live a life for God, based on the law and performance and just a casual approach, going to church, just being religious, just trying to check off the things that you eventually will go under? Because that's what happens on Tarzan. He won't find nothing but his hat. Amen? <laughs> There's a lot of Christians who can't find nothing but their hat because they ain't walking in the Spirit. But you see, there's something that happens when you walk in the Spirit. You see, the law of gravity is the law of gravity. But you know what? You can get in Christ. And if you get in Christ and you're really in Christ and you're trusting Christ and you're believing what Christ can do, guess what? Christ can transcend you out of the law of sin and death. Just like if you get in an airplane. Brother Dennis just did it. I couldn't believe it. He got more faith than I thought. Or either Miss Allison put her foot down and said, we're going. But guess what? When he got in that plane, I know that wasn't the first time you flew. How many of you remember the first time you ever flew? My favorite part is taking off. My least favorite part is landing. But when you're sitting there and you ain't never flew, you're saying, I hope this thing works. And especially if you're a fearful person. You're looking out that window and all of a sudden it's off. That's the power of an airplane. Well, guess what? When Jesus is in your heart and he's where he's supposed to be, you're going to feel the power of Jesus. It's real. It ain't a myth. It ain't something you just preach about. It's reality. And when you're in Christ, you're going to know it, just like when you're in an airplane. And all of a sudden, that airplane gets revved up. Man, when Jesus gets revved up, you're going to get different. And when that airplane lets loose, son, it takes off. Whoa! And boy, you know you're going somewhere. And I can remember just sitting there watching the first time. Watching. And all of a sudden, that thing went, and it left the ground. And it transcended the law of gravity. How did it do that? Because there's another law you may have not known about called the law of aerodynamics. You can't have the law of dynamics without an airplane. And you can't have the law of the Spirit active in your life without a right relationship with Jesus. And if you're in Jesus, Jesus is going to lift you just like an airplane lifts you out of the hold and the draw and pull of gravity. Jesus is going to lift you above the law of sin and death and He's going to give you life in the Spirit and He's going to help you live for Him. He's going to give you that character you want. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? I think I might be over somebody's head. If this ain't making no sense, just tell me. I'll just tell us Jesus died on the cross. Let's go home. But don't you get tired of just hearing that? Don't you want to go past that? Because friend, God has so much for you. And He wants to lift you out of the things that's holding you down. Just like an airplane. You know what? When you get in an airplane, that airplane is like Air Force One. See, the president flies around in Air Force One. But he ain't got nothing on us because we get to fly around in God Force One. And I'm sure that plane's got a lot of unique things and powers and weapons. But I'm going to tell you what. 
God Force One has got the power of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus is the pilot. And when you get in it and he takes off, he ain't going to leave you where he found you in your sin and in death. He's taking you where only he can bring you. And you're going to end up somewhere you never dreamed. That's what Jesus does. Man, this ought to make even a Baptist shout. We ain't Pentecostal for believing this. We're just biblical. We're just trusting what God says. And friends, listen. The life in Christ is much more than just saying, I got saved, and I'm going to one day die and go to heaven, and nothing's changing in your life. Friends, when God is at work, He makes a difference. And friends, listen. How does He do it? I'm going to close out. He says right there in verse 5, for those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit, they set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to be cornerly minded, if you're earthly minded and you think like everybody else on earth, you're a natural man, you're a carnal man, all you think about is temporal and here, you're going to die. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. To think about the things of God more than the things of earth. To be more concerned about heaven. Look at what he says in verse 20. I mean in verse 7. Because the carnal mind is an enmity against God. For it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can it be. So then those who are in the flesh cannot please God. And guys, if you just live like everybody else all during the week, and the only difference is on Sunday you try to be spiritual... You can't avoid Jesus all week and come here and experience this. It's a day-to-day relationship with Him. But you are, look at verse 9, you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of Christ dwells in you. Now, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he's not his. He's lost. He's still condemned. But if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit that dwells in you. He's going to give you life to change. Character is not something just for only a few people. Character is for anybody who wants to live their life in Christ. And look at what he says. Therefore, brethren, we are not debtors. We're not obligated to the flesh to live according to flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. You'll never crucify your old man by trying to try harder, by trying to perform better. You've got to trust Jesus more. You say, well, man, I'm so far from God. I was so far from God a month ago. But you know what I found? You're never too far from God that he can't lift you up out of the, what has pulled you down. And when you get in Jesus again, I won't tell you, my friend, he can get you out of it. There's no addiction. There's no habit. There's no thing that you can be practicing that you wish wasn't a part of your life that he can't set you free from. But you're never going to be set free by just going to church and being a good church person. You've got to connect to Christ. Today, it starts by faith in Jesus. I'm going to ask everybody in here, are you sure you say? Are you sure the Spirit of God lives in you? Because he's going to show evidence. Today, the Bible says that We are saved by faith in Christ. And we have peace with God. Friends, peace with God, that's a great thing. That's where it starts. Today, he'll save you. Even when you're in sin, even when you're helpless, even when you don't have strength, he'll save you. Today, that's the starting place. But there's a lot of us I bet are saved. But in reality, you're not where you wish you was. Does that mean that you can always one day maybe get, no, you'll never finish the process but you should be way further along than all back there where you used to be. I'm going to pray. I've said all this. Only God can make it real. But I'm going to tell you now, we are living in difficult times. Living and being a fruitful, faithful, successful Christian is getting harder and harder in American society and culture. You're not going to be able to coast anymore and get by. Your family's not going to be able to have a casual connection to Jesus and survive that's why so many of them's going under that's why so many families are being broken and torn apart friends to survive and be spiritual and fruitful and successful and faithful as a Christian in America today is going to take all of the Jesus you can get a little dose of Jesus on Sunday isn't going to give you strength 
to persevere. It's not going to be enough to create your character because the world's also trying to create character in you. And it's not going to fill you with hope. The world is a hope-robbing place. But it's in Christ where you find that hope. So I would suggest for some of us to turn Fox off, turn the social media off. You know what I've been doing lately? When I get up, I leave my phone on the side of the bed and I go and I do all my Jesus stuff before I even pick it up. Because you know what I was doing during COVID? Get up in the bed before I get out. Facebook. Oh, I got a text. By the time I got to my chair to spend time with Jesus, I was so distracted and influenced with here, I couldn't focus on there. You got to make Jesus first. You got to give him access to everything. You got to clean your room just like we did that room. And you got to let him put what in there matters. Just going to church after a while is not going to help you. You're going to need more. And that's what Jesus gives by his grace. Would you stand with me this morning? We're going to sing. We're going to have a time of response. Now is where you decide, am I going to receive Christ? Am I going to come to Christ? Am I going to obey him and trust him? If you're lost today, I want to invite you to just walk right here, stand at the front, and I'll take time to personally sit with you after and let you know what it means to be a Christian. But you already know if you're going to do that if you mean it. But the rules of us, if your life is chaos, if your life ain't matching up, it's not going to change unless you change what you've been doing. So I'm going to ask you to do that. Father, in the name of Jesus, I just pray that people would learn to understand that in Christ there is so much more that you can do than we allow it to do through the access of his grace if we'll just believe it. Lord, I pray you'll make this real in somebody's life today. Thank you for what you've shown me. Thank you for the difference it has. Lord, I feel like I've been flying around in the old God's plane. And that you've been moving me and taking me again. Lord, for that person who feels most trapped, I pray today, Lord, you'd set them free and lift them by the power of your spirit, and by the force of your grace. Someone today would be changed by Jesus, Father. In his name we pray. Amen.